Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. First, however, let us pray. Gracious God, draw near to us as we draw near to you. Open our ears that we can hear your word. Open our hearts that we can embrace it. Open our lives that we can live it. Help us to be as faithful to you as you are to us. Amen. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For God so loved the world. John 3.16 might be the most famous verse in the entire Bible. Even folks who can't quote it recognize it. It shows up on signs and posters at football games and parades and other public gatherings. Or at least... It did. It has been almost exactly one year since our world shut down. Last year, on this same weekend, you stayed home instead of going to Montreat, and the doors of this sanctuary stayed closed, and worship went online for the first time. So much and so little has changed in one year. A year in which every day was never-ending, and every month somehow flew by. I don't know about you, but I am astonished and grateful for your resilience and creativity and flexibility. And at the same time, I am exhausted and overwhelmed by the grief and isolation and the almost constant need to adjust and adapt. I assume that many of you feel the same way, at least when you stop and think about it. This year has held both joy and sorrow in ways that feel incredibly amplified. So I think it's an especially good week to remember God's promise of eternal life. To start out, I just want us to think about what eternal life means. 
Taken at its most literal level, eternal life would be life that goes on forever, wouldn't it? We need to be careful about that sort of literal interpretation, though, because this passage that we're reading today, it picks up in the middle of a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a leader among the Jews who asks Jesus some very reasonable questions, but then gets lost in translation. Jesus tells him he'll have to be born again, and poor Nick can't see past the literal. How can someone be born again, he asks, and he almost misses the point that Jesus is really trying to make. So we do well to keep that in mind when we consider the second half of their conversation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. If eternal life is simply life that goes on forever, well, I honestly don't see much good news there. You've seen the movie Groundhog Day, right? Bill Murray plays a man who literally lives the same day over and over and over again. He is stuck on repeat and he is miserable. To watch the movie is to spend the entire time rooting for him to get out, to do whatever it takes to break the cycle. And some of our pandemic days have felt eerily similar, haven't they? We are desperate for all of that to come to an end. God's promise of eternal life is absolutely nothing like that. Eternal life is not life that just goes on forever. Eternal life is life that is transformed. Perhaps this will help. We as a community are grieving the death of our own Elizabeth Grimble, who died earlier this week. If we could have, we would have held on to her forever. 31 years is just not enough time. I believe with every fiber of my being that Elizabeth, who had an enormous spirit, but who also faced an enormous battle, I believe with every fiber of my being that Elizabeth is experiencing eternal life right now. But I do not believe that means that she is exactly the same way we last saw her forevermore. I believe that she is experiencing eternal life means that she is now exactly the way God hopes and intends eventually for all of us that she is healthy and whole and no longer held back by anything of this earth. An eternity of life, exactly as we are right now? Well, okay, but that would be ambivalent news at best. And for all sorts of people, for all sorts of reasons, it would be downright terrible news. But an eternity of life that has been transformed, that 
is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the promise. That when we are welcomed into the kingdom of heaven, when we are received into the house with many rooms, when we are embraced in the loving arms of God, everything about us, absolutely everything about us will reflect the full goodness that God always intended for us. There will be no more weeping and no more sorrow and no more sighing for death in all its forms will have lost its sting forever. That is, I believe, exactly one half of what Jesus is talking about when he says to Nicodemus, everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Because eternal life is about what happens to us after we die. And at the very same time, eternal life can be about what happens to us while we are still living. Especially when John is the one telling us this story, Jesus never misses a chance to remind us what is possible and real and true after we die. It is also possible and real and true while we are living too. Maybe not in its ultimate fullness, but enough that it is worth paying attention. Theologians They call this realized eschatology, the idea that everything God promises us about the end, be it the end of the world or the end of our days in this world, everything about the end can be realized now in the present. In other words, eternal life is about both the future and the right now at least if we understand it the right way. Anne Lamott, in her newest book, Dusk, Night, Dawn, she tells the story of her friend's daughter, Allie. Allie ended up in prison after driving while intoxicated and hitting a pedestrian. She was in her 30s when she began serving her sentence, and for the first many months, she was nearly catatonic with grief and fear and shame. But there was another woman on her same cell block, one who was serving a life sentence, and she came alongside Allie. She kept an eye out for her, and she loaned her books to read, and she made her accompany her to AA. Allie went along with it only because it got her out of her cell for a few hours each week. She was only a social drinker, she insisted. It took more than a year, but Allie finally realized and admitted she was not a victim of bad luck. She was an alcoholic, and she was responsible for her actions when she got behind the wheel of that car. Fast forward another year, a full year of sobriety, And Allie and her friend were part of the Environmental Conservation Work Program run by the Department of Corrections. About this, Anne Lamott writes, Allie made a few dollars a week. It wasn't great money. 
But do you know what it bought her over time? It bought her herself and a skill and a purpose to save other lives. She couldn't bring back what she had taken from the victim's family or even her own family, Anne writes, but she could still be a helper in this world. And it was just recently, Anne says, that Allie and her crew of fellow inmates were cleaning up fallen branches after a river overflowed. Allie found a baby coyote among all the debris. She picked it up and she brought it to show the others and the chief shouted out for everyone to hear, look what Ali Baba found. Ali Baba saved a baby coyote. How is it possible, Anne writes, how is it possible to go from being convict D53789 to Ali Baba How is it possible to go from a number to a nickname? How is it possible to go from maximum shame and cowardice to protector of a baby animal and her own sober self, convinced that both of them are entirely worthy of being saved? How is it possible? It is possible because God so loves the world that God promises us eternal life, which is not life forever stuck on repeat. It is life transformed and life made new. It is life redeemed. Eternal life is the answer Jesus offers When Nicodemus asks his own version of that exact same question, Nicodemus says, how is it possible to be born again? How is it possible that these things could all be true? The promise of eternal life in the future means that when we die to this earthly life, we receive a new heavenly life. And the promise of eternal life right now means that when we die to an old way of living, we can embrace a new way of living. And it is possible. It is possible, all of it, because God so loves the world. Everything that is of God, everything that is from God, is always rooted in love. And God's love can make provision for our future and our right now at the very same time. It is in that spirit of love that I wonder, as this pandemic season eventually draws to a close, if the church itself might be on the cusp of transformation of being born again. It was John Calvin, the old reformer, who said, the church lives by a thousand resurrections. It has been a year. It has been a heavy year. But friends, the first streaks of a new day dawning, they are creeping closer. And we will have some choices to make soon. 
It will be tempting for us to revert back immediately to everything exactly the way it was 53 weeks ago. And some of that will be healing and healthy. Some of that will help make us whole again. But I wonder if we do that mindlessly, if we do that automatically, without discernment, without being as innocent as doves and as wise as serpents, I wonder if we might run the risk of missing an opportunity to be transformed. Now, don't get me wrong, just as we ought not rush in too fast, neither should we toss out too much. The question to ask is not what should change just for the sake of change, but rather what might change for the sake of the gospel. You might think what I'm about to say will sound ridiculous, but stick with me. If you want a sign of transformation, Shandon, there are video cameras being installed permanently inside this sanctuary right now. Now, if you have spent more than five minutes around any Presbyterian of any sort, you know as well as I do that typically a decision to install technology of any kind in any sanctuary would take ages and studies and reports, and surveys, and probably listening sessions, and who knows what else for who knows how long. Well, actually, I know something of how long because I have walked through this with previous churches. Lord, have mercy. We needed the Lord's mercy at some of the session meetings where we discussed these things. I understand that cameras have been talked about here at Shandon in the past with both ardent supporters and passionate detractors, which is natural. But the conversation around cameras, once we got our feet under us in this pandemic, the way forward was crystal clear to everyone. Yes, We need cameras. We need to make sure that all of our people can worship wherever they are. We have been changed by this experience. And we know now that worship ought not be a privilege reserved for the able-bodied or the healthy enough or those whose work schedule happens to align with ours. Worship is for everyone. And we have the capacity to make it so. So yes, of course, we are putting cameras in the sanctuary. It sounds silly, maybe even utterly insignificant, but I believe that was a moment of transformation. And I believe, and I hope, and I pray that it will not be the only one. Because the only thing worse than being apart from one another for a whole year would be if we were to miss the opportunities this year apart still has to offer us. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. 
Amen.